Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. Every week we discuss a movie and then one of us suggests the next movie for us to watch and discuss. All the movies are available from the major streaming services so that you can participate with us. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. Joining me tonight is Alicia Walker. Hello. Christine Deacon. Hi. Josh Dean. Hello. And Nathan McKinney. Hello. And today we're talking about Alicia's suggestion, The Color of Money. Uh, Fast Eddie Felsen teaches a cocky but immensely talented protege the ropes of pool hustling, which in turn inspires him to make an unlikely comeback. All the spoilers. So uh, first we're going to talk about what we've been watching lately. Uh, Nathan, what have you been watching lately? Well, uh, we're cramming these guys in pretty quick. So as far as uh, recording podcasts, so we didn't have a ton of time in between. uh, But I insisted, I said, if we're going to watch Hustler or watch uh, uh, The Color of Money, I need to watch Hustlers. Uh, Because I had only seen it once. The Hustler. Be careful. (laughs) The Larry a Flint little story. Different. A little different. Allow me to stumble over yeah. literally, literally, literally everything I have to say today. Um, Big money hustlers with insane clown posse. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I watched the original Hustler. Um, I had uh, seen it just the one time and completely forgotten anything about it aside from who was in it. Basically, I knew it was black and white and there was some pool playing. Um, so it was it was fun. I, I what I remember about it was pretty much held true um it's a little slower and that's kind of why i hadn't ventured back to uh pick it up again um i think about a quarter of the way into it though or maybe a third of the way into it it started picking up for me a little bit i think probably about the same time that the the female uh lead who won an oscar i think for that or at least she got nominated um, which is kind of something these two uh, movies have in common the female leads had uh oscar nominations for them but um, it was good. I enjoyed it. I, I would recommend anybody that's about to watch The Color of Money, which you probably already did, if you're doing this podcast the way you're supposed to, go back and watch The Hustler. Okay. Seems Josh, obvious, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I am four episodes deep into White Lotus on HBO. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, so far, very watchable, but uh, rich white people having problems, basically, mm-hmm. is is the premise of the show. Um, if it hadn't started off with a mystery hook, I don't know if I'd still be watching it. But uh, in the first five minutes of the first episode, you learn that someone's going to be dead by the end of the show. So uh, trying to figure out who and why and how is part of the fun of it. Um but Steve Zahn, um, Connie Britton, um, uh, Jennifer Coolidge, they're all in there and doing a great job. Uh, so I've uh, only got a couple of episodes left, but um, so far, yes, it's a show. <laughs> is it is it funny enough to make up for how white people problems it is? <laughs> it is sometimes, uh, yeah. Okay. Like the one I just watched. Uh, made me laugh out loud several times. And it's based on the character work that all gets laid in the first few episodes. So okay. it, it has to chug up to steam, basically. Um, I was, I've been waiting on that one until the whole first season was out. Yeah. Um, not because I was waiting to hear what people thought of it, but because if I got into it and liked it, I don't like 
waiting week to week. I like watching it on my own schedule. So sure, sure. Sort of my deal. Christine, yeah. how about you? So I have been watching uh, the Showtime show The End, uh, mm-hmm. which is about a woman who brings her mother. Uh, to where she's living in Australia after her mother tries to commit suicide. Uh, Her mother is a little bit older, so she's decided to move her from England to Australia and put her in a retirement community, which her mother absolutely hates. And she's basically like, you know, wherever you put me, I'm just going to try to commit suicide again. And so... Uh, she's dealing with that as well as uh, working in palliative care. Um, and so she's like struggling with her mother and struggling with trying to help other people transition to the end of their own lives. And there's kind of this strain on the relationship with her and her mother as they're dealing with their own troubles and their fractured relationship. But there's an interesting twist that comes along in the show that I'm finding, like, I don't know if it's going to be great or if it's just going to be a little bit weird. So, <laughs> I'm interested. What was the name of that again? Because my brain is Swiss cheese. The End. The End. Okay. Is that, like, currently airing or is that... I believe it's still airing right now. Okay. Okay. Well, um, yeah, as Nathan uh, pulled back the curtain, there haven't, hasn't been a whole lot of time uh, between these episodes to watch things, although I have watched things. Um, but um, I was going to talk about a couple of things that I saw uh, for the first time Um the one I wanted to talk about for for now was um, I so I am a huge mystery science theater fan. Um, I'm a huge um, riffing as a comedic form fan. I you know listen to riff tracks and do all that stuff. I also perform with a local group and write jokes for movies and all that kind of thing. And while I have copies of every episode of mystery science theater i have to admit that i have not watched every one of them and i also have not um gone back and watched a lot of them for a long time there's a bunch of them that i've just kind of written off or just wasn't in the mood for didn't get to and one of the mistakes that i made very early on with my collecting and and going back and watching the back catalog of mystery science theater episodes is I avoided black and white movies. Um, Cause I find them, especially on mystery science theater show like that um, where the plot of the movie is already kind of boring and dull black and white tended to mean it's, it's even less interesting um, what's going on. If, if the movie was in color, I at least knew it was made like, in the sixties or later, but when it gets to like fifties sci-fi and, and older stuff, um, I kind of stayed away and I'm realizing that that's a huge mistake, especially because, uh, season eight, which is bar none, my favorite season of the show. It's also the season that I, um, got access to new airing episodes when it was actually on, 
um, when our city finally got the Comedy Channel or Comedy Central, as it was probably by that point, um, we were, or not, it wasn't comedy anymore. It was uh, sci-fi uh, when it was on Sci-Fi. Mm-hmm. So I had it on Comedy Central, like in reruns during the the dark years when there was no mystery science theater there for a while. And then sci-fi brought it back and then we didn't have sci-fi for like the first half of season eight. So I've never really gone back and watched the beginning of season eight. And most of those episodes are black and white. And I watched one that is kind of genius. It's one of the best ones. Uh, It's called The Deadly Mantis, Season 8, Episode 4 of Mystery Science Theater. Uh, It is a bog-standard 50s sci-fi plot about a giant praying mantis that gets thawed out of somewhere in the Arctic Circle and and wreaks havoc on little model cities, um, Godzilla-style. Um but it has some of the funniest jokes ever. It's their fourth episode back from this hiatus. Um, it's Bill Corbett's fourth episode on the show as Crow. Um, and he has one of the greatest Crow lines of all time in this episode. Um, there's a scene where our hero and uh, his gal, who's like a journalist that's just been following him around, throughout the movie just to have a reason for her to be in the movie. Um, <laughs> they're in a car together and they they sort of decide to make out for like a second and then get back to chasing the mantis and they kiss and they kind of back away from each other and she's like we, we really should we really should keep going and Crow says but there's a mantis in my pantus. So, <laughs> um, I watched that with a group of people, uh, a week ago, Saturday. And, uh, yeah, we were talking about the mantis for the next two movies. So that's, that's my recommendation. Um, not an easy one to find on DVD, but it is actually the whole episodes on YouTube. So mystery science theater, the deadly mantis, uh, Alicia, how about you? Well, um, I, every once in a while, kind of want to get into a reality competition show of some short, sort, because I like those, and I tend to go a lot for, like, the cooking ones and things like that. But um, I did start watching uh, Making the Cut, uh, which has already wrapped its whole season. It's essentially Amazon's version of Project Runway that also has Heidi Klum and Tim Gunn. Uh, and it's a little bit different. One way it's different in that it's a huge prize of a million dollars for this one. And the other thing is that these are all people that already have established fashion brands, but they're small. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to, you know, as, as they try to promote the show, we're trying to find the next fashion star, you know, kind of a thing and, and put them into, you know, uh, global circulation kind of a kind of a thing so uh yeah yes. where the winner yeah I so it's a little tagline. it's a little bit different than for um that yeah and that they make the fashions whatever the winning one is that week they have something that's more of the accessible version and that one you can buy right away on amazon so um the designers they don't 
do as much of the work. So they, they do design it and they do work on it and sewing, but they also are not expected to be a, seam, a seamstress or something. So they actually have a team of people that are like the little elves that come in at night and like work on the different designs uh, overnight following directions that they've been left. So so there's a little bit of some different things to it, but um, it, it kind of scratches that itch that is the itch of a, a good project runway season. Um, and, and it's kind of nice that they do have people that are a little more experienced. You don't quite have those people that used to be on the project runway show that really have no idea what's going on and how to do this and, and stuff like that. And maybe just had kind of a, a fun little kitschy look or something like that, that kind of maybe got them on the show. So um, people are a little bit more established, which is kind of then interesting to see what their design has been, what their style is and everything, and then how they try to develop it in a, in a bigger market. So yeah. So if you like that kind of thing, I would recommend making the cut. Cool. Who had, had anyone not seen the color of money before? I had it. Okay. So that's where we'll start. Christine, what did you think <laughs> of The Color of Money? I enjoyed watching it. Um, it was a fun a fun watch. Um, definitely any movie that has Warren Zevon in the soundtrack definitely will catch my attention. I'm a huge Warren Zevon fan. So uh, when they started playing Werewolves of London, I was definitely like, I hope they have my favorite part of this song in here. Because if they don't, I'm going to be very upset. Um, but I definitely like the characters. Uh, they're all very interesting in their own ways. Uh, there were some aspects that I was like, okay. Uh, didn't really fully uh, get Paul Newman's character. I guess that's explained more in the first one. About everything he does uh, beforehand. Because I hadn't seen the first one um so that josh had told me that that it was a sequel so i was like okay well that makes more sense that <laughs> that you get to know him more during that uh yeah but uh i was kind of drawn a little bit out josh and i <laughs> sorry josh and i had been watching this movie together so we had discussed a little bit about how the zooming in kind of takes you out of the movie a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, I really enjoyed it. I really could tell uh, when Paul Newman had gone back to the pool hall that he was like trying to get his mojo back. And I was like, oh, he's going to go and he's going to try to screw him over and go to the pool competition himself, isn't he? And, and I really enjoyed that aspect of it because he was always, like, trying to hustle even though he had said he was out of the game, he was done. But he wasn't, even though he was getting played himself. I liked it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I have not seen The Hustler either. Um, I have seen this movie before. Um, and I'll go ahead and go next. Um, so this is... I don't know if you saw. I i hadn't seen it. The Color of Money. Oh. <laughs> oh. I don't know if you're really intentionally on that order thing, but... No, I, I do that. on I do that every show. So, yeah, go ahead. Okay, Nathan. sorry. 
Um, okay. I haven't seen the movie, so. Yeah, and part of the reason I hadn't seen it is because of the reason I said, because uh, I wanted to rewatch The Hustler before I watched The Color of Money. And because I kind of remembered the col- the hustler being a little bit slow, that felt like a little bit of tedium, and I just never got there. Um, but this is a uh, you know early Scorsese, which I really enjoyed. He's he's employing a lot of real fun uh, typical techniques with his own um, telling the story with the camera and whatnot. Um, there's there's one point when uh, they're about to go down and like you know, hustle a guy. And so he's like, okay. And the camera like pans behind him at one time. And I, I, I told Alicia, I'm like, okay, they just broke the 180 rule. And she's like, what? <laughs> but you yeah, know, there's a whole, there's a whole bunch of how the fuck did they do that shots in this movie? Yeah. And there's some great, like close-ups of the pool. I, I think what's kind of interesting about this is I don't feel like you have to watch the hustler to appreciate the color of money um there's just enough backbone of the character for paul newman to kind of get enough of it and feel like you've got it but at the same time having watched both it does give you more of that backbone and it, it feels more prescient but the styles between the two movies are so very very different um because this one's obviously more modern uh as far as the camera work goes whereas the other one's very much an old 50s uh, I think it's fifties, uh, black and white with a lot of wide shots. Um, it's got really great editing in the first movie, just uh, like it does in this one. But um, uh, I j- enjoyed that part of it. But um, it feels like a very, very different movie. Um, that crazy shot when Paul Newman first goes back to the pool hall when he's get like before he's really decided if he's going to get his groove. Oh, back, where the pants and he's just sort back of really, behind and, the and pool it pans tables. back over tables. Yeah, it's like okay, like who thought that up? How did they execute it? Yeah. Was it worth it to do that? Um, it's cool. <laughs> it reminded me of like, that shot in the big Lebowski where it's really fake, but the, bo- the the camera goes underneath the, he's going underneath the, the women in the bowling alley in the dream sequence. Cause it's, it's just so fake looking, but real at the same time. Uh, yeah. But anyways, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Tom Cruise is, is, plays an absolute douche in this movie and that's kind of what he's good at at least he's in this era <laughs> um i enjoyed is it mary i'm not going to get her name right mastriano is that her name Mastrantonio, i thought she mary elizabeth mastrantonio okay y'all said it for me i appreciate that uh that way i don't have to figure that out but she's great in it um she's one of my favorites and i don't understand like I go back and watch movies, big movies that she was in, like this one. Abyss is the only other one I really remembered. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, of course. The Abyss, which I've seen a couple times. Yeah, The Abyss is great. I yeah, I love, I the, love abyss. the Abyss. She's really prominent she's, in The Abyss too. Yeah, she's made Marianne in Prince of Thieves. Oh, okay. So she's like the lead female role. Yeah, but she she plays second fiddle to that song. <laughs> 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 that's truly the only thing I remember about that movie. Um, I will say you a couple more things just, and the I'll theater. let you have it for yours. I'm not, I'm not trying to take it. Oh no, it's all good. Um, the music uh, with this one was really distracting to me. It's, it's Robbie Robertson um, doing the score on this one. It, it mo- almost makes it feel like, like an old Michael Mann movie, like the thief or something. Cause it's just really dated sounding. Um, I like the way the ending goes, but I I was a little disappointed in the way it cuts it at the very end. I would have almost preferred that there was an actual 
game played at the very very tail end because i was just like oh wait that's it <laughs> so and i and i get what they're trying to do with that particular ending because the the win is really paul newman you know bringing his character around and all that but at the same time i still wanted to see him kick tom cruise's ass yeah so funny story about that so i watched it with hannah this time and it was her first time watching it and i made a point of like telling her because like you know when she has to work during the week and this week she's on inpatient which is like the busiest week of her month or six weeks or however long her rotation goes um she she goes to bed at like 9 nine thirty most nights and so i put this on at seven and i was like you know watch this with me you'll like it and it'll be over in time for you to go to bed and all of that sort of thing and we got to the scene where they're about to do that and she's like okay i'm gonna go wash my face and take off my makeup and stuff like that and i didn't say anything and she got out of bed and got to the sink and i said and the movie's over she's like wait i missed it like yeah you want to watch the last 10 seconds again (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yes uh it does it does end on that sort of anti-climax um Talking about the music a little bit, um, I love the way Martin Scorsese uses pop music uh, most of the time in his movies, and I liked a lot of the choices in this one. Um, I loved One More Night, uh, Phil Collins going on in there. Um, I kind of wish there was an alternative universe where Tom Cruise becomes Scorsese's go-to like De Niro or DiCaprio guy where he's just in every Scorsese movie from this point on. Um, but that universe doesn't exist. And Tom Cruise is a weirdo and, you know, wouldn't do a movie as, as non balls to the wall as this movie is ever again. Um, while he can still, you know, be Ethan Hunt. Um, so, uh, Tom Cruise does have the trademark Maxfield unibrow for a good portion of this film, <laughs> which is pretty sweet. Um, one of my favorite lines, uh, the earth moved. Did the earth move for you a bit? That was a train. <laughs> so um, I liked her shooting him down. Um, I actually liked her character more than I liked Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio's character. I love Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, but um, I feel like she had very little to do in the role that she was in. You know, it's very much Paul Newman and Tom Cruise's movie. Uh, and I also think it's weird that like she was in, I was, I was kind of saying this before, but like she was in a bunch of big movies in the late eighties and then nothing but TV ever since um which I, I i don't really understand i mean maybe it's just the the longer contracts were appealing to her or whatever it was but you know i didn't know she got nominated for a award for this movie but like it's weird that she would go from that to just like not really appearing in anything i mean maybe like she and madeline stowe were like 
too close too close looking to each other that people just forgot which one was which and but then metal and stowe didn't do anything after 1991 either so um there's a great paul newman line where he says a new man huh like yep got it i get the joke um and and just you know i'm sure i'll jump in on more um discussion as we go here but just to throw out my uh my blasphemous opinion before I go to the other uh, veterans of the sh- of this movie. Um, I like Mississippi Grind better than this movie. I do. So, Josh, he, you've already selected a better movie than this. <laughs> but uh, well, uh, so Josh, what did you think of The Color of Money? So yeah, the color of money. Um, a movie I didn't choose. I uh, yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, the Hustler, and I'd seen this one before, um, obviously. And um, yeah, Scorsese, as much as I love the guy, gets in his own way sometimes. I feel like as a director, like you're saying with some of the needle drops and um, some of the camera moves, I get taken out of the movie, like I know I'm watching a movie all of a sudden I'm aware of the camera and I'm aware of the tricks and everything, um, which is fine. He, he's a virtuoso and that's great. But my favorite scenes were the ones where he would just let them play pool and you could watch Cruz and Newman, like actually sinking these shots. This is, there's no CGI in that. There's no stunt doubles. It's, it's them sinking these pool shots, which probably were pretty rudimentary in a lot of the, scenes they were doing but impressed the hell out of me because it's way better than i could shoot a well there's a lot pool. of there's there's almost certainly a lot of takes involved oh i'm sure in yeah. doing that but i can also tell you that like really like getting to like 80 mm-hmm. percent the best in the world at nine ball uh-huh. is not hard okay <laughs> it's that last 20 percent like if you go at it and you play like three or four days a week for a year, mm. you'll be awesome at nine ball. It's <laughs> it's not a difficult game. Um, it's 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 really not, and it's I mean it's designed to be fast and cutthroat, and mm. you can run the table and all that stuff. Um, I didn't watch this on a service where I could like easily screen grab anything, mm. but I swear to you, the first time that Tom Cruise breaks like before they even met and you see him do that like crazy sledgehammer break thing Mm. his cue goes straight into the table (laughs) and it goes in so hard that it bends yeah i I saw that i saw that too yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. (laughs) like he fucks that up and it's it's right there so Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um well the movie this reminded me of too was Rounders a lot in uh-huh. terms of yeah I think they took a lot from this movie uh Turturro John Turturro specifically straight out of this movie and put mm-hmm. him into Rounders um uh, another Don't splish the, the pot <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, the uh, Grady guy says something like, it's a nightmare, isn't it? Which is a line that Teddy KGB says in Rounders. And Mm -hmm. um, the the other little callback I liked was um, Forrest Whitaker um, 
pointing out that he he knows who Paul Newman is. Where he's like, "You think I should lose a little weight?" And I'm like, "Ah, oh, that's such a great callback to the Hustler," and uh, that that made me very happy. Um, but it was just one of those little jokes you don't get unless you've seen the first one, I guess. But um, yeah, uh, Tom Cruise post tooth fixing um, somewhere in between The Outsiders and Color of Money, he got his teeth <laughs> fixed. Um, but uh, yeah, he's he's magnetic to watch. Obviously, um, Newman though, God damn, Paul Newman, uh, that man can hold the screen like nobody else. Um, mm-hmm. Just just amazing to me. Just talking about bourbon, and I was like, yeah, tell me more about bourbon, Paul Newman. Yeah, yeah, you just sold me a <laughs> box of M- McConnell's, old McConnell's yeah. or whatever. I, I'll, I'll I'll throw another uh, another Hannah observation at you, which is. You know, Paul Newman is a nice-looking man, but that mustache. <laughs> That's the deal breaker? She was not into that mustache. <laughs> oh, it was the 80s. All the best people had mustaches Well, and he covered 80s. up those eyes all the time with his prescription sunglasses, too. So, you know, that was oh, usually true. his best feature. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just yeah. think she thought it looked dirty and crusty. and So is oh. Atlantic City. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Um, sorry. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was pretty much the end of my thing. Paul Newman, great. Uh, Tom Cruise, great. Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio, great. Um, Scorsese, get out of your own way. But yeah, I like it. It's not my favorite, but I like it. Okay. Well, then I guess it just leaves me to ask, uh, what the hell, Alicia? Why the color of money? Good question. So uh, we're getting a new house, and the house comes with a pool table. So when we, you know, found out that we were doing this and I started thinking about, oh, pool table. Yeah. And then I was like, I just started having flashes of the color of money all the time. So I was like, it has been a long time since I watched that movie. And um, I knew it was a Scorsese movie, but it it's not one I usually think of. Like if someone, you know, if we're doing like a trivia game, they're like, list as many Scorsese movies if you can. It, that one doesn't pop in my head usually. So yeah. uh, I really wanted to revisit that. And I remember always catching that movie on television. And it, I, it seemed like all I ever saw was the pool tournament again and again and again when I was a mm-hmm. kid. So I had totally forgotten all that beginning part. I forgot the Scorsese's kind of like, you know telling the rules of nine ball or whatever it is at the beginning i was like oh my gosh i didn't remember any of this stuff at the beginning i didn't remember seeing paul newman going out and hawking his liquor and talking about switching labels on it to the bars and all that so i really especially enjoyed the beginning maybe 30 minutes of this movie because that i i had not seen in ages and ages and ages because i hadn't really caught it in its completion that often so um, I I thought in my head that the majority of the movie was the tournament, w- was hustling on the way to the tournament, short amount of travel, and then boom, we're at the tournament for the rest of the time. So that I really liked kind of seeing that. And, you know, I didn't see The Hustler until years after I'd seen The Color of Money. And, you know, then seeing them both together, of course, back to back, like we watched it, I think was kind of nice because, you know, Paul Newman in The Hustler is Tom Cruise, but a little less annoying, Uh, definitely less annoying than Tom Cruise was because he was really great on me in the toy store and all this other kind of stuff where I'd see him. So, so, you know, Paul Newman, although he is super green and super cocky and all that kind of stuff, he's, he's much different of a, of a character as the young, you know, prodigy player. But um, yeah, I really liked it. I, it's not my favorite Scorsese movie. I liked revisiting it. 
I, even though, you know, it's, it's a novel thing to stop right when they're about to play, I'm like probably the general audience in that I was super disappointed. Like I wanted to see them play. Like I really wanted to see it play out, you know, just because those scenes of them, either of them playing pool with the different people they're playing with are really riveting. And so if they were doing all that great camera work and showing all the great shots they'd learned and this and that and the speed of the games and all that kind of stuff, and you're like just waiting then for this maximum payout at the end and then it's not there. So, you know, again, I get why he chose not to do it that way, but God, I wanted to see that at the end. I really did. So I felt like I was like, uh, like I've just been building to to kind of nothing at the end. So that was kind of tough. But yeah, I, I agree. Like I, Paul Newman can just sit there and say nothing and just stare. And it's fantastic. Um, I thought Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio was a lot better in the first half of the movie. Like when yeah. Paul Newman's really She's trying to get her. She's just got more to do. Yeah. And he's really trying to get her to think, look, think about this as a business, right? Like we're doing this. And she's got kind of a criminal background. She's a seedy background. And so he's talking to her like a business partner with their property being Tom Cruise, Vincent. And like that part is great. And they're building that up. And I feel like it just kind of dropped at the end. And like they didn't really keep up with that, which I wish they would have had more with her at the end. She's just kind of a spectator at the end. Yeah, and all there's that like a whole movie missing where we see their progression from when we left them to when they catch back up with right, him in Atlantic right. City. That's true. And all of that's implied, but mm-hmm. all of that has to be left out of the story for the turn to be that he blows the game on purpose. Right. Which is the last thing we expect him to do. Because now he's learned having, how to act finally and and actually drop the ball. But and I and you know to be honest, I kind of wanted to see a little bit more too of Paul Newman's girlfriend because she doesn't come until the very end. And I kind of feel like the female characters, I mean, she's inserted kind of at the end in kind of an awkward way. All of a sudden she just shows up. But I I kind of wanted to see more development of her early on for her than to reappear at the end. So I would have seen liked to have seen a little bit more of her early and then maybe a little bit more of Carmen, uh, Mary Elizabeth. Well, she's there a little bit at the beginning. Yeah, just um, a little bit. Like just enough for you to kind of get the idea of, you know, the fact that these that her character and Paul Newman's character have a history and mm-hmm. she knows his deal and and he calls her on the phone and that kind of thing but I don't know she was kind of interesting when I did see her at the end I kind of thought she was interesting in their relationship together and wanted to see a little more of that inside that I probably would have diverted from the main thing but it just got me a little interested well especially yeah. after you watch the first one and he had such a tragic relationship with um, uh, Piper Laurie but that was what I was going to ask was whether or not she's a carryover or not from the first movie. No, no. So, well, that was that I had kind of forgotten myself if that was because I'd seen The Color of Money several times first and then later went back and watched The Hustler, but I had not watched them together. And so mm-hmm. it had been a few years since I saw The Hustler, too. So I was kind of thinking, is that Piper Laurie? I don't think was the woman in The Color of Money. And then, you know little bit of a spoiler alert she can't be the character in the color of money so um yeah so that's definitely a different thing but paul newman's romance with piper laurie is almost half the movie on the first movie i mean it's 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 almost as dominant as pool is true so i kind of feel like him his evolution to whatever he becomes in the color of money is kind of important on that front too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah well and that i'm sure that's why the women aren't explored as much in the color of money. It's like they've done that, that storyline of mm-hmm. those relationships and 
because the audience needs to be surprised by what Tom Cruise does at the end, we can't learn more about Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio's character than we do mm-hmm. for that turn to work. So, Well, I like how this movie, even though it is technically a sequel, it is a standalone. Like, you don't have to know the stuff from The Hustler, but it yeah. does make it interesting. Sometimes you see things in a little bit different way than when you've seen The Hustler, but you can totally get everything for the most part without it. But uh, Josh, it is your turn. Suggest the next movie for us. What would you like for us to watch? Okay, we're going to watch one called uh, Chained for Life. Um, A beautiful actress struggles to connect with her disfigured co-star on the set of a European auteur's English language debut. All right, that should be good. Thanks, everybody, for the discussion. Thanks, everybody out there for listening. We'll see you on the next Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast.